0: Last month's downing of a suspected Chinese spy balloon has triggered discussion on parts of the Internet about the potential for an electromagnetic pulse attack that could take out the U.S. electrical grid. Whether or not such devices could be used successfully, this news did trigger more discussion about how woefully unprepared the country is when it comes to this type of attack. While Homeland Defense officials focus on different scenarios around terrorism or natural disasters, it seems like little is done around EMP discussions. Natural disasters and weather related events, such as hurricanes, floods, and earthquakes, have shown how power outages can affect towns and cities, with several areas often taking days or weeks to restore power. It also shows how reliant we are on the electrical grid and and it's a nightmare scenario to think about how we would live and survive without electricity. So, we're going to talk about whether or not we could rebuild following an EMP, such as an EMP attack, coming up today on Today in Tech. Hi, everybody. I'm Keith Shaw. Welcome to Today in Tech. Uh, my guest today is a, uh, a best selling author. This is Dr. William our fortune uh he is the author of the book called one second after it's the first of a series of books about what happens to the world following an electromagnetic pulse or emp attack uh dr fortune holds a phd in history from purdue university with a specialization in military history and has written more than 40 books on this uh not on this subject but 40 books and one second after was published in 2009 dr fortune welcome i'm gonna call just call you bill from now on (laughs) yeah
1: yeah Good to be with you this morning.
0: So uh, let's get uh, right to it. Um, a lot of this news has sort of triggered uh, discussion about uh, EMP attacks. Uh, you wrote mm-hmm. the book in two thousand nine. Uh, since since then, how you know has the world changed, uh, either for the better or for worse in terms of, I guess, the country's preparedness for such an attack?
1: Well, m- maybe uh, just a thirty second primer on EMP, sure, electromagnetic pulse. It's generated by lofting a small nuclear weapon 40 to 60 kiloton range about 4 to 5 times that of a Hiroshima bomb lofting it 200 miles above it has to be above the earth's atmosphere when the weapon detonates it sets up a vast electrical discharge it's known as the Compton effect that cascades down to the earth's surface literally 1 second after detonation it starts shorting off the power grid of the United States. Worst case scenario, three weapons, Eastern United States, mid and the California coast. Big players in this would be Korea or uh, Iran. Mm -hmm. The effect is catastrophic. You know, electricity is the fundamental building block of our society we don't even think about it throw the switch turn the heater on whatever right but according to two congressional studies done about 10 15 years ago this is the bad number 90% of americans would perish a year after such an attack
0: and when you start when did you first start sort of hearing about this when you were thinking about either writing the book did you did you hear about this and said oh this would be a a, a good sort of topic for, for a book, because you've written four of these, and these are, these are fiction-based books, but they're based in reality, correct?
1: Well, um, it started in 1991 okay. when I was in grad school. There was a massive power outage in Indiana. I was at Purdue because of a once-in-500-year electrical steam, yeah. um, you know ice storm. Mm-hmm. The whole grid went down. Lafayette, Indiana lost power for up to 30 days I mean, everything was gone. The pylons, the the high tension lines. Within about five days, that town went squirrely. This is a university town. People were panicking. People were literally following power trucks that they had to put National Guardsmen on them. I filed it into the back of my brain. Mm -hmm. And 15 years later, that started to evolve into a book where I set the whole thing in a small town. My town in Black Mountain, North Carolina, What would happen to my town if the power went off and didn't come back on? So book came out in 09 and it's still on a bestsellers list at the time. (laughs) It just keeps cascading.
0: Yeah. And you're about to uh, publish the fifth book in the series. Is that correct?
1: Fourth book. Oh, I fourth. turned that in two weeks ago, and that will be out sort of around the middle of July.
0: Okay. So, and obviously, with with the news of of the spy balloon and you know, sort of the uh, the EMP kind of attack idea came bubbling up again. Again, I mean, we've heard about. Sort of nuclear attacks, and um, you know, pu- you know, there was a, a TV series recently called The Last of Us, which focused on sort of a pandemic type of thing. We've lived through uh, COVID nineteen, but now we're starting to see the EMP stuff kind of come up again. Uh, I mean, just just reading about sort of the effects, and it's not just like devastation to it, it, it's like everything. Like you're you're explain the car thing. Like I didn't realize you, we wouldn't be able to use cars right after an EMP attack.
1: You remember Maslow's hierarchy of needs you learned in high school, you know, air and that. Yep. Well, let's go to the Maslow hierarchy of needs for an electronic and electrical society. We lose power. Now, I'll ask you a direct question. Sure. Where are you located
0: right now? I'm in uh, New England. So right outside of Boston.
1: Oh, okay. Where do you get your water?
0: From a well in my, yeah, from a, from an
1: underground well.
0: All right. So my which, which 20, is which has which is pumped through electricity.
1: Right. You see right there that <laughs> yeah. uh, you mentioned before we went on the air. You woke up at five o'clock this morning to thinking about this. <laughs> you know, it starts with, of course, we lose our water supply instantly. Twenty four hours later, people are desperate for that. Average town has about twenty days worth of food on hand, from what's in your fridge to what's pulling up at the supermarket. Excuse me. We lose all of that. So we're out of food, Uh, we're out of heating. If you're in New England, we're out of heating. Uh, Down here in the South, we don't have air conditioning in the summer. That can be catastrophic in the community for the elderly. Medication, about 20 to 30% of all Americans rely on some kind of medication. Well, the pharmacy doesn't work anymore. And so on and so on. And then of course, you know, command and control what happens in big cities? The bad guys can start taking over within a matter of hours. Right. First, looting the stores, but then you're walking down the street, say five days after an event, and you got a hamburger and a coke. What might people be willing to do to you to get that hamburger and coke if they're desperate after five days? Right. Right. So all these different factors come together into what we could call like a perfect storm. One other example. There's about 3,000 commercial aircraft over the United States at any given time at midday. Most of them, they won't work. You even pay a a major plane; it loses its computer. Without the computers, none of the uh, control surfaces work. You can have Sully up front. You know, remember Sully from the Hudson River? Yeah, doesn't matter anymore. Right, the thing's gonna fall like a rock
0: do you think that would be the sort of the first signal that something was going on? I mean, or, or would it be like, how would we know that something like this had happened? Cause again, if, if, if the power just goes out, like in the studio right now, we'd be like, Oh, there's just a power outage. Like how, how long before we start realizing that something like bigger has happened than just sort of a power outage in the building or the town or the state or whatever.
1: Okay. Just a quick, funny story. <laughs> okay book comes out, and I teach at a wonderful small college, Montreal College. I actually had some meetings with administration and staff on what do we do if this happens. A month or two later, daughter and I are watching a thunderstorm coming up the valley. Boom. The entire grid for uh, this mountain community, gone. My daughter looks at me and goes, Daddy? Hey. I said, turn <laughs> on your cell phone. It works. Well, okay. about a minute later, the phone rings. It was a top administrator at the school. He said, Oh my God, Bill, is this it? And I just <laughs> I said, Yeah, we're screwed. <laughs> so <laughs> that, so obviously
0: So obviously if your cell phone worked then then it's probably not an
1: phones? Well well think about remember nine eleven. We yeah. had cell phones then. Imagine if nine eleven had hit, we're seeing it on TV, the entire nation is watching, and then suddenly the the communication grid is gone. Everything goes blank. Right. So we're going to lose cell phones and all of that. We lose everything. And we're sitting in the dark alone. And after six hours, 12 hours, we start going, I think this could be bad.
0: Right, right. Okay. So obviously, uh, if it it was a... um, if it was a big attack we would not have cell phones and communications would be out so that would probably be a a clue of that we should start doing something but then we go out into our car we realize our car isn't working right yeah and explain why our car wouldn't work
1: all right most cars made after about 1980 are increasingly relying on computers and it only takes uh i was just talking with a car car expert a couple days ago he said If only one or two of the components within the car's electrical uh, computer system gets hit, it starts, the whole rest of the car starts to go offline. I've seen some figures that said 90% of cars would be totaled. Others say 10%. But let me say this. Have you ever been in Boston at 5 o'clock in the afternoon and one car broke down? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 (laughs) I used to live up there. So I know. Imagine if 10% of the cars... Short off that gridlocks the system. And if so, you're, if I'm, if I was actually traveling in a car, would
0: it, would it, would it shut down too? If I was driving like home on the mass pike, would, uh, would you pardon? If you were actually driving? Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, you you're out driving home, and suddenly, boom, the car shorts off, and it just rolls to a stop.
0: Right. Okay. That's so it. so there would probably be massive traffic jams wherever anybody was was located. That's if if you know if a plane's not falling on me too, right? So yeah. All right. Let's say so. Let's say I survive that, and I get out of the okay. Let's let's
1: do it that way. Yeah. If you survive that, then what?
0: Okay. Well, my first thought is that I'm going to try to get to my house. Okay. Okay. Because I because I want to find my wife and my kids. And you know, and and they might be either at home or at school, or you know. I think that my first plan is to tell my family, like like let's at least meet at the house somewhere. Now I've got like a thirty mile walk, thirty to forty mile walk. Let's
1: make it five miles. Just okay, five just, miles. all
0: right. We'll, well, all right. Give me the benefit of being five miles away. Okay. Uh, what am I, do I have to fight off animals? <laughs> like what?
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> well, was another you know, thought. I, I, I was going to fight off the coyotes. <laughs> uh, well, uh, if you hear my dogs barking, we have a bear wandering around here today. <laughs> but that's North Carolina. Okay. Uh, no, you're not going to have to fight off animals. And for the first, it, it's any number of times. In the first hours, people will be relatively civil to each other. Right. In terms of what's going down, can I help you ma'am? Uh, here, let me help you cross this street. But at what point does that start changing from being civil to, I gotta think of myself, to get the blank away from me or you're going to have it. Within about 24 hours, it's gonna start to get squirrely. And the big factor right at the start is water. You know, sand. if you recall Sandy, New York City 2012. Yep. The following day, people were lined up around the block at McDonald's waving $100 bills for a sack of, of hamburgers. And yet the guy at McDonald's was saying, first of all, I can't cook it. We don't have electricity. Secondly, the computers don't work. Third, it's closed. Get the blank away from here. Right. Go go to Starbucks. Well, I'll charge my phone back up. Well, that ain't working. Right. So it starts a cascading series of events from being a civil society to a very uncivil society within a matter of days.
0: Okay, so so the key would be for, for survival would just be to, A, sort of get back to my house and then make sure I have enough food and water for yes. about a month, you, you're, you're thinking, or more?
1: Ah, good. <laughs> okay, first of all, since I am a little paranoid because of writing these books, yeah. my daughter and, you know, before before we separated, you know, my daughter, my wife, and I, we had the plan, okay, if anything happens, you walk home because you're only three miles away and then stay at home but uh, your average community, your average person, okay, somebody listening to this, and they live in an apartment with their kid and their husband, do they have enough water to last a week even before they have to go out on the street? I urge all people, not only because of uh, EMP, but because of floods, hurricanes, whatever, or the big snowstorms up your way, have a month's worth of supplies. If need be, when you're done with a bottle of Coke, clean it out, fill it with water, Uh, have some Campbell's soup, you know, and and dried soup and things like that on hand. Mm -hmm. For New England, of course, you've got to have some sort of heating system that's safe, that's non-electrical, that won't kill you with carbon monoxide poisoning. How to cook your food. These become the fundamental basic building blocks of staying alive.
0: Right. And so, I mean, that's the first thing I, I was starting to do this morning is I started filling up my bottles <laughs> with water because I, I, I read all this stuff. Now, would, would, now obviously, certain areas might be better off than others. I think I asked you this yeah. question about, you know, if, if I lived in a city, I think the cities would be a lot harder to to sort of survive in than maybe either a small town or a suburban area. Um, explain why the urban areas would be doomed. <laughs> This is a real, this is a real peppy topic today.
1: It's a bummer, isn't it? it
0: (laughs) We're going to get to some hope
1: near the end, I think. Okay. Uh, First of all, I would never want to be in a city. Uh, I think the ideal locations, if you're going to survive this at least for a while, rural or small town America, a key component here is people knowing each other. You know, in a city, you don't know your, your neighbor. Here in my little, uh, You know, Mountain Cove, I know all my neighbors. If things go bad, we know how to take care of each other. One of them's a nurse. We know we can rely on things there. I know the pharmacist in town, but overall cities would be the worst place to be because what happens when people get thirsty and there's no more food, where do you think they go? They start walking out of the cities. Right. I'll go to Ann Edith's place. It's 30 miles away. Well, that's a long 30 miles on foot. Right. And you most likely haven't hiked that far since you were a boy scout.
0: Right. Okay. So let's so so let's say I sort of make it home, and then maybe maybe I've you know teamed up with a bunch of neighbors. Yeah. Um, do we then sort of sort of gather in my town? My town's about ten thousand people. Is that an is that too big? Is that too, or is that like the the right size to sort of figure out, organize, and maybe start working towards some sort of Uh, rebuilding effort or is it just, is it just mass survival at that point or just sort of?
1: Again, relying on neighbors. Uh, I always, well, you know, I live in the Christian South, you know, your church group, things like that where people, and I've talked with more than one minister. Do you have a plan to help your community survive this type of event? Um, It's important to learn how to work together with a good set of people because the average American doesn't know diddly about the basic fundamental building blocks of living. Right. Do you know where the toilet, uh, after the toilet flushes, do you know how it all works?
0: <laughs> you can ask <laughs> me this right now. Um, I know, s- sort of. No. No, probably. We don't. Not. I don't no. either. It goes into our sewer system.
1: Yeah. Uh, and then where does it go? It goes, to fact, the, I think,
0: to the water treatment plant.
1: Yeah. Well, example right there. If the water treatment plant is shut down yeah you're gonna have to throw a pipe and just empty it right into the river that's what that's the the procedure right so another thing in about five to seven days you're gonna start having massive outbreaks of disease yeah salmonella is a big one uh waterborne diseases the other scenario i really fear is what happens to nursing homes Right. Those right. people do not stand a chance. And we have about two million people in some sort of assisted care systems. Well, the nurses don't show up anymore because they're trying to take care of their families. Right. Right. Boy, it's a bad scenario. Isn't yeah. it? I write this stuff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, all right. Um should Like how many people come up to you and then said, well, we'll rely on sort of our, our local officials, maybe a local police. I mean, I, I'm not even going to bring in the federal government at this point or, or state government. Like, do you think that there would be too much of a reliance on those types of people to sort of have a plan? And they probably don't at this point. Or they're just trying to like create or stop mobs from killing each other. Right.
1: Okay, good example. (laughs) Okay, When I was working on the book, I was close friends with the police chief. Always a great friend to have. All right? So I go to Jack's office. We're sitting there, and I'm telling the scenario, and I say, Jack, if it happens, what's the first thing you would do? Mm -hmm. He actually went, and he started to pick up the phone, and he said, oh, blank. The phones don't work anymore. I don't know how to communicate with my own people. Right. You have handheld radios? Yeah, but... Are some of them shielded, protected in what's called a Faraday cage? Uh, I went to the pharmacist. She started crying. She actually started crying at the end of an hour saying, oh, my God, the number of people who will die. Yeah. A big resource who I just saw yesterday morning to get my dogs get fixed is the veterinarian. That guy has enough uh, medical supplies on hand to knock out a horse. Your average doctor anymore, he doesn't have anything in his office. So, all of this just starts to unravel too quickly. That's why the congressional studies, which are, I think, quite valid. The first time I saw 90% of us are going to die, I thought it was tinfoil hat stuff. Right. This is crazy. It can't be that bad. But after studying it, writing it, working on it over the last 15 years, I think the number is very valid.
0: Okay. And so does that cause you to sort of just sort of hide in a bunker and just be like,
1: yeah, I have a big concrete bunker. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I mean, I think the, the, when we
0: talked before this, the show, you, you know, you said to me that you're, you're an optimist by nature. And it was like, that kind of floored me that, that, you know, that, that having write, written all this stuff that, that you would still be an optimist. Can you explain sort of that, that feeling?
1: I believe EMP Every military system since back to the Romans. When they first made a catapult, the famous uh, cry of a Greek general who said, oh, Hercules, valor no longer counts. Ever since the beginning, military systems have been used. Poison gas, World War I, some, you know, nuclear weapons, World War Two. EMP yep. is inevitable. It's a question of when. Now, I can go crazy. I can lie awake at two in the morning and stare at the ceiling after conversations <laughs> with some people, or I go on living. Uh, I wrote the book 15 years ago. I even put in the foreword, I pray to God that when my daughter hits her 40s and 50s, her world is safe. Right, Because that would mean I was simply a crank and it never really happened. Okay. Uh, I just pray to God. You know, I, I, I'm a Christian. I just pray to God, you know, get us to another day maybe it won't happen i think the ideal situation would be it did happen somewhere the effects are seen and then the rest of us wake up and go oh my god that could be us next right example 911 right now we overreacted with airplane security and such but finally we put security in place
0: right right okay so let's talk a little bit about sort of pre- pre- preparing potentially preparing for this, what would it take for Um, us on either a national scale or, or state or local of, uh, you know, kind of effect of, all right, let's, let's try to get ready for something like this. Uh, Obviously, if you're an individual in your house, you can start sort of preparing for, you know the the worst case scenario there, but but how do we protect sort of our our infrastructure so that maybe um, maybe the grid the complete grid doesn't go down and we are able to sort of save some of the the electrical power?
1: Okay, to, two points there. Uh, I just recently I've talked to them several times at conferences, you know gone down to meet with them. Uh, the South Carolina consortium of uh, you know the, the power companies down there. They are reacting. They are working vigorously to start trying to build stronger robot systems that can resist an EMP. Mm-hmm. That's crucial. So that's sort of like a local state level. The other side of the coin, national, I'm furious. I am. I'm actually furious about this. The previous administration under Trump, not to go into politics. Right mandated a massive study shortly before he left office of dod doe the faa all of them to come back with a report six months later on what we have to do and what legislation is needed to protect us from emp trump was taking it as a top security concern guess what happened with the current administration the day they got elected yeah one of those executive orders they killed the study we're spending a trillion dollars a trillion, a big, how many zeros behind that? On green energy. We're not spending a dime on robusting and bringing our system up to a modern standard that can resist an EMP.
0: Do you think that that's just because like we as Americans tend to be reactive rather than proactive?
1: You got it exactly. Yeah. You know, we worry about it the day, you know, I got to get my car into the shop next week. Something's starting to squeak. Well, Suddenly it breaks down. You go, oh no! I should have done <laughs> this yesterday. We're, we're that way with almost everything in our lives. We react rather than logically plan ahead. Yeah. And when it comes to our and it, well, one one other statistic, DOE did a study about eight or ten years ago. The average component in our electrical grid is forty years old. We're running our electricity over a forty-year-old system. We don't have a stockpile of emergency equipment to bring things back online. It goes down. Guess where we get most of all, almost all of our le- major electrical components from? From China. Take a guess. Yeah. Just, you know, it's a Jeopardy question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, what is China? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We certainly don't get it from Niger or Chad. We get it from China. Uh, do you think they're going to help us?
0: Yeah. If the know.
1: whole grid
0: one down, no, that no. probably not. So, ah, okay. Uh, okay. What else? <laughs> so, is, is it is it like what would sort of then rebuilding look like if we? Well, I I, I want to go back to the to the the, the hardening. Um, could like a local town basically harden their grid? Or now it it all requires utility companies and federal and state um, efforts. Again,
1: you know, as I mentioned, some areas like South Carolina, uh, they're working hard to figure out, okay, on a very tight budget, can we at least harden some of our electrical grid, what I call lifelines of of recovery, that if even 10% of the grid survives, you can build off of that. Yeah. Second, we don't have the stockpile of emergency components on hand and that's true across the board. You know, World War II, where was all our equipment made? United States. We built the most powerful army in the world. Uh, We don't have those components today that we're manufacturing inside, inside the United States and stockpiling at key locations. A very close friend of mine who passed away a couple of months ago was an expert on this, Dr. Peter Pry. He said two to $3 billion a year would go far towards securing parts of the grid. Right. Okay, I think that's very optimistic of poor Peter, who I miss a lot. Even if it's 20 or 30 billion, what what the heck is another 30 billion dollars these days? You know, throw the figures around. Right. Stockpiling key components that could be quickly reinstalled, you know, wiring systems, transformers and such, it would ameliorate the
0: worst of this. All right. And so you've now written, uh, four books around this, uh, right. the fourth one's coming out. Um, it, it's on the bestseller list. So enough, there's enough people out there that have read sort of these books. Have you been approached yeah. by, by, by Hollywood or, you know, because we've seen, <laughs> you know, we've seen that. sort of post-apocalyptic, Kind of stories before, um, but but nothing on on this level. Have you been approached, or or do they look at the topic and go, "Oh, that would never happen," or that's just too too crazy and like? W-
1: okay, first of all, Hollywood sucks. <laughs> okay. uh, every single film, you know, oh no, it's another disaster flick, and I'll watch it for fifteen minutes, get sick to my stomach, and turn it off. Okay, uh, they get it wrong. They get it wrong. Sensationalized all the time. I do, uh, I've been, you know, I, I have in the works, I have the agent, I, I have the producers and all that. We are working. Uh, we have had two scripts. We're just waiting for a green light someplace. Right. But unfortunately, like Netflix and others want approach, oh, well, we, we got a great disaster film this year with, with zombies from Mars. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, uh, I'll go into a Tourette syndrome if I talk too much about how stupid Hollywood is.
0: Do you do you watch any other shows that have like I was thinking about this, about how many different types of either shows or movies have had EMP sort of attacks? And some of them were really localized. Some of them didn't work at all or someone. I mean, the the science wasn't right. Um, I I didn't even realize the GoldenEye movie was actually about an EM. And this was in the, the 90s. Uh, was was sort of a James Bond had to stop a potential EMP attack uh, attack over London. um and then it never did. You never saw the effects of it. But then, you know, um in the other one that I remember was Oceans eleven. um they had a they called oh, it yeah. The, the oh, yeah oh yeah. and then it was like you know it went out for like ten seconds and then the electric 30 seconds. Pa- and then the electro power came back on. So that's sort of misleading, <laughs> right? Because you, you the power is yes. not going to immediately come back on.
1: UEMP, you you've done it permanently. Yeah. All these different. I've only seen one film that did it right, and that was 30 years ago, uh, the nuclear war movie, The Day After, with Jason Robarts. He's trying to get home to his family. Yep. And suddenly there's a pop of light in the sky, and then instantly everything shuts down. Yep. It's the only one. It shuts down. It doesn't come back. I mean, come on. It, it's almost the equivalent. You take your car, you drive it off a cliff, and you go, oh, crap. I'll get it back in two minutes, and we'll drive away. Right, right. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't come back. After Ocean's Eleven just made me sick. <laughs> <laughs> you know how many movies I've watched? I only get 30 minutes into it. I just go, that's stupid.
0: All right, all right. Um, so are you, Are you know, and I, and I asked you this before, like, you know, do you sleep at night? Because obviously I woke up this morning yeah. going, I've got no chance of surviving at all. Cause you know, they're not going to need YouTube hosts in the future. I better start learning how to like use a, a pow, you know, a saw or an ax and store that water. I start, I'm going to start right now. Um, You know, how do you sort of like live each day? And I think you sort of brought this up that you, that you are optimistic. Um, But do you think like, you know, just us talking about this will help?
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, That's why I am am on the talk show and and interview network. Yeah. We have to raise public awareness. First of all, your own security. Have a month's worth of food and water and such on hand. Very key. If you're relying on any kind of medication, find a legal way to stockpile Mm -hmm. at least several months or more. A uh, terrible uh, one example of that is pancreatic enzyme disorder. You don't get your medication, within a week, you start dying. Yeah. Uh, transplants. They don't take that medication every day, they start dying. And then again, networking with other people who are like minded, are not taking this as tinfoil hat stuff, but a real threat. But you can't go crazy over it. You have to live your life in a good manner.
0: Yeah, it does feel like there needs to be a balance between ignoring the the problem completely and becoming like a doomsday prepper bunker mentality oh. type thing, and having you know a, you know a, a stockpile of ammunition and guns in the in the basement, right? Oh,
1: so, somewhere in between there, right? <laughs> have you ever been to a gun show? No, I have not. Oh God, uh, I remember my mentor from grad school and I. He once said, "This little doubt." your belief in the Second Amendment. He, he was was—he was also, you know, Austrian, which was so funny. But you go into a gun show and, you know, this squirrely little guy who sounds like Peter Lloyd, oh, look, look, look at this 50 caliber rifle. I can kill you from a mile away. You know, it's just It's, you can go overboard. Yeah, I I have a gun. It's it's sitting just off camera. Yeah. Am I running around you waving it all the time saying the end is nigh? No. Right. Lead a good life. And prepare yourself.
0: Okay, and and obviously, this these tips that you're that you're kind of giving can be useful for just preparing Anything. for a natural disaster, or or you know a flood, or or an extended blizzard, or something like that, right? So, yeah. you know, it's not necessarily that that and you know a nationwide EMP attack. Yeah, that would be that would be horrendous. But even if there was a smaller, if there was a smaller one, at least we would have some hope that other uh, cities and towns around us, or you know, regions would be able to help us eventually, kind of rebuild
1: you know a key component there is a robust foreign policy which again we have with um, I don't want to get into politics, okay okay but uh, you need to project a robust foreign policy to third world players in particular North Korea Iran which are always rattling the saber and just yeah. make it clear don't even think about it right don't even twitch a muscle in this direction uh, one scenario that scares me is China hands off some weapons and so you know Equipment to a third world player. So you go out and do it. Yeah. Uh, North Korea scares me because their illustrious leader, suppose he wakes up tomorrow and he finds out uh, I'm terminal. Well, I'll take America with me. Oof. Yeah. You know, that's the type of scary scenario. Uh, we do need some better missile defense systems. Right now, we only have them up on the Alaskan coast, you know, to counteract the Russians. We, we need better defense systems as well. But that costs money, a right, lot of
0: money. Right, right. Okay, so if there was sort of one piece of advice then, I guess, for an average viewer of, of this show, just to, just to sort of, you know, so not bury their head in the sand, uh, but sort of start to get ready or start to at least think about it and not think about it all the time, but just sort of to get ready. What should they do? Should, like, obviously prepare your family first and then talk to your, your neighbors and such?
1: Well, the old Boy Scout motto, be prepared. There you go. You know, absolutely. Be prepared. Uh, people with families, do simple things like, OK, if something goes down, we have a rendezvous point. I won't be able to reach you by phone. Have a what I call a god bag in your car. Get out of Dodge. You know, a couple of days worth of water. So maybe an MRE. Uh, yeah, something for security. And then something most people don't think about, some silver coins. Quarter and half dollar and this uh, silver dollar might be the trade item to get you through something because waving a hundred dollar bill or your credit card ain't gonna work. And de- so, definitely not Venmo. Here locally, <laughs> what? Definitely not Venmo. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> All right. And also, yeah, ha- have a couple of days of your medication, you know, tucked in the glove compartment. Uh, I have a, I have a bit of an irregular heartbeat. I take one pill a day. If I miss the pill for three or four days, I start feeling a bit squirrely. Yeah. So these are things to think about.
0: And so do you know, do, um, do the characters in your book, do they, do they get more optimistic or is it just, is it just dreariness and doom and gloom in, in the three books or the four books?
1: And <laughs> they all die in the end. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no. Of the, the component of my book that was so important and the, the main characters live in my small town, a real town. i based a lot of characters on it and my college is a realization the only way we're going to get through this as a community is as a community Uh working together helping those who need help and defending yes and then planning realistically for how we're going to get through the next six months the next year and still have food on hand water supply medication etc
0: all right and so the next book is, is is out in a couple months
1: you said yeah, uh, there's four books now in the series. Oh yeah, it's the promo moment. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, like one second after, uh, then one year after, and the final day. Uh, you can get them all on Amazon, and the next book out will be five years after, which will be uh, out in July. All
0: right, and good luck. You know, good luck with you know dealing with the Hollywood types if you can. If if uh, if if that does progress, I I think it would be a fascinating look at at sort of uh, a lot of these uh, rebuilding efforts.
1: Well, a very dumb, okay. I'm not sexist. You heard about the dumb blonde in Hollywood? Okay. No. No. She was so stupid she dated a book writer. (laughs) 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 That's a joke amongst us authors. All
0: right. All (laughs) right. All right, Bill, thanks again for for joining us on the show. Very uh, fascinating topic. Thanks.
1: Thank you and get the message out.
0: All right. And uh, that's all the time we've got for today's episode. Don't forget to like this video, subscribe to the channel and add any comments you have below and join us each week for new episodes of Today in Tech. Have a great day and we'll see you next time.